Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, guys? You are listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo and Faiz. The New York Knicks are priming themselves up to be in an excellent position with 20 games left in the season, having won seven in a row and placing themselves at fifth in the East. Uh, but more on that in a bit. First, make sure to check out our website, nick-ish.com, and copy yourself a Nickish hoodie or crew neck or some hats to wear to your next Knicks game. Uh, keep an eye out for an upcoming drop. We're going to post a teaser this week. And if you haven't noticed yet, we're doing a giveaway for each game that the Knicks are winning in this streak. So keep your post notifications on. If the Knicks win their next game, you can be the winner of our next giveaway. Now bring in my guy, Faiz. What's going on, bro? Feeling lucky, man. Lucky number seven. Knicks got seven seven in a row. I feel like it could have been nine in a row if they had, you know, t- taken care of business against Philly. But how are you supposed to complain when you have seven wins in a row? Like, I feel like I'm just being greedy at this point. <laughs> yeah. How Yo, you doing, man? It feels different. It's a different feeling. Like, I think we were talking about before we start recording, like, you kind of have that trust in the team now that each lead, you know, we might have a chance of keeping it up. And it looks like the team is locked in. And um, they're keeping it going. But first, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Nickish co-founder Nafi, uh, who has moved on to uh, bigger and better things. He was an integral part of this brand. Uh, a lot of you know what we're doing now. A lot of his work um, we're paying div- we're getting dividends for now because of his work and efforts. So shout out to him, um, and um, you know he'll be missed on the show. So shout out to my guy Nafi. Best of luck on your future endeavors, man. We're always wishing the best for you. Sir, all right, man. The Knicks seven games in a row coming off a win against the Nets. The score was what was it? It was fucking bonkers. I think 142 to 118. The Knicks beat the Nets and against the Celtics as well. That score was 109 94. So, last two games that the Knicks played, what are your major takeaways from this seven game winning streak by East? I mean, uh, the first thing you got to talk about is how in the first half of that Nets game, the the Knicks, uh, I think, scored the most points against the Nets in, in all-time history, 81 points, which was incredible. It's nice to be cemented in Nets history in in a good way for the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they've been, they've been kicking our ass for the last few times. So uh, it's nice to see them get those two blowout wins against them, basically back-to-back in the two matchups they did. Um, you know, a lot of Knicks fans going around saying that we own the city, but it's nice to finally back it up with actual actions instead of constantly just, you know, big bro, little bro type of stuff. But uh, in general, like from this seven game win streak, you can see that, uh, you know, usually the Knicks calling card is just their defense and like just seeing their defense play well, keeping teams under a hundred points, even 110 points. But I would, I would say this offense has been clicking on all cylinders. Like the addition of Josh Hart, even the addition of Mitchell Robinson, who you would think isn't a key contributor on offense has been really helping propel this offense forward. So uh, if they could sustain this type of offensive energy going into the playoffs, man, people have been saying it all all, like for the last two weeks, but the Knicks could be a a real threat in the Eastern conference. If if it keeps going this way. Yeah. I mean, Josh Hart came away with what probably a quote of the season where he said, we're not just trying to make the playoffs. We're trying to make a run in the playoffs. And what's he doing? He's setting a tone. He's a young veteran player. He's 26, 27 years old. And, 
The man is seven and zero in a Knicks jersey for for a good reason. I mean, the way the way he plays, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, I didn't watch too much Josh Hart before he was a Nick, but the way he's playing, extremely smart, high IQ basketball. He and Jalen Brunson clearly know how to win games, and you know, with with him, he's making the smart play at the right time. I mean, you're you're not always going to see in the box score. He scored four points last night, but he had the highest plus minus despite all these other players killing it. He was still a plus thirty, and you know, you see him making the right defensive plays, making the right pass and shooting, you know, shooting the basket when he's wide open and when it's the right time. And, you know, smart plays like that is I is what I think is really encouraging IQ because I think their play styles are similar, kind of a two-way style player, players with a three-point shot. And, you know, from, like you said, clicking on all ends, offense, defense, um, since that nine-man rotation that, that Tiz made back in November, December, the Knicks have... I think I have it somewhere here. They're number one in offense, number one in a bunch of things, and they've arguably been the top five, top five team since Tibbs made that rotation. So I know I've been hard on Tibbs for a lot of these podcast episodes. Um, I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Tibbs finally listened to Nickish and listened to what we're saying, <laughs> and he's giving these guys the correct minute distribution and kind of giving these young guys the the burn that they should be getting. And uh, Randall's minutes has dropped. He's not, he's no longer putting in 45, 46 minutes per game. And Brunson, you know, you could tell that the chemistry is finally up there and uh, he's destroying teams right now on the offensive end. He's arguably a top five point guard in the NBA, clear all-star snub in the running for all NBA. And uh, there's just not enough that can be said about each player and what they've been doing the last seven to really 15 games. Um, from from all ends. I mean, Randall has been killing it. Well deserving all star. Between him him and Brunson to, you know, one two punch that they're both that they're both doing. One game is Jalen, the other game is Julius. I mean, I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing from these guys. And this team, it's it's hard to to not feel encouraged of the damage that they could do in the playoffs, man. It's beautiful. Beautiful to see. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, usually you see Randall come uh, come up after the All-Star break a little lethargic, a little slow. That's how we've always seen him for the last few years. But he came off the rip, you know, doing real well. Uh, Washington game scoring, I think tying his career high of like 46 or 47. So he, he's already in, he's already locked in and whatnot. But uh, to your point about Josh Hart, a lot of fans were really upset about giving that first round pick this year. But I'm going to remind fans that we still have that Dallas pick. And right now that Dallas pick is looking better than the Knicks pick so hopefully this was like a, a 4D chess move from Leon and that you know we were able to keep the good pick while uh making this team better and I remember we talked about this last summer we were talking about like a stable of wings having like Cam Reddish having you know RJ having all these guys ready to play but it feels like we have something similar but with just a stable of guards now where Jalen Brunson and RJ are your starters RJ sometimes lagging off a little bit but you got IQ and Josh Hart coming off the bench it feels like a cheat code. Like seeing these two guys play, like in terms of like their hustle, in terms of their defense, in terms of knowing exactly where to be on rebounding, uh, knowing uh, how to make the passes right. And now you see Josh Hart more comfortable with the three. I feel like that's why we were able to get him for a cheaper price because he wasn't shooting too great from three uh, in Portland earlier, but he seems much more comfortable here with the green light. But, you know, having one of those guys with Emmanuel quickly, a six-man-of-the-year candidate, it felt good enough. But now having Josh Hart, oh, it, it just feels like it's unfair to other teams. So yeah, I'm glad to have him on our side. What are your thoughts on Brunson? Do you think we're at that point yet that we can call him a superstar? Sheesh, uh, that's that word superstar. I mean, you know, it's it, it just depends on how you uh how you 
personally use the word superstar. For me, I think that the word superstar should apply to maybe like seven, maximum like 10 players in the NBA. It's really hard for me to say that Brunson is a superstar, but like you have to easily put him in like at bare minimum top 10, maybe even top five in point guards. Like in the East, undeniable. He's like a top five point guard, top three point guard, even if you want to say. But yeah, I mean like, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that he's not a superstar yet. I just think those superstar players, you know, obviously are like a cut above everyone else. Where like I think what would solidify Brunson as that superstar is those few nights where he's still scoring 12, 14. If he could get that up to like 18, like his his baseline is like 18, 16, I feel like we'd be a lot more comfortable calling him a superstar. But hey man, when you play this well in New York, it's it's what we've been saying. You become a superstar in your own right. Like fans are going crazy for you and uh, Okay, so glad to have him on our team. <laughs> I, I was I was told we overpaid him. That's that's what I was told. That's that's what the media was saying. That's what Knicks fans were saying. Some of them, at least. And I mean, hey, he's on people it. People were saying we overpaid for Mitch too. Remember that. Look at him. Like... Yo, man got paid. He got paid, and he's balling out right now. Mitch is coming in with a different mentality. I don't know. If, I don't know if you're picking up on it, but or but like, he doesn't seem to be fucking around. And six for six last night blocks. He knows his role. These players know their roles. There's less confusion now. I think earlier in the season, you know, people didn't know who was bringing up the ball. People didn't know what side they should be on. But now the defense is clicking because everyone knows and has accepted their role. Even RJ, you know, I think he understands now that he has to be a tertiary kind of guy, third guy, uh, or even fourth guy. But with Mitch, I mean, he was out for four weeks. You could never tell that he's coming back and he's getting double doubles, getting blocks, highly efficient, six of six last night. I don't know if he's missed a shot. And um, he's just he's changed the game for the Knicks. And he's he's a huge X factor, especially now that we're we I think it's fair for us to say that we will be in the playoffs. Knock on wood, um, you know, barring a dramatic or epic disaster. But, you know, again, knock on wood. Um, Mitchell Robinson is is critical. He's crucial. And he's playing like a like a a star from the defensive side as one of the best big men in the East right now. How are you feeling about Mitch? I mean, out of the last 22 shots that he's attempted, he's missed one. Wow. Just just let that sink in for a second. Wow. He's missed one. So he's been fantastic. Offensive rebounding, regular rebounding, putbacks. And you're 100% right in terms of mentality. Um, I think Fred Katz was talking about how he did a little interview with Mitch, uh, and he found out how uh, it, it's the mentality is different. Like, he's not, he's not looking at it his role as like a rim running center anymore. He's looking at himself as a uh, integral cog in the Knicks defense. And yeah, maybe some of the things he doesn't do is as sexy or maybe they don't show up and on the box score, but he's still putting in that work. So his teammates can eat so he can later eat. So uh, he's well positioned himself for offensive rebounds, putbacks, And that's exactly what you want to see from Mitchell Robinson, a, a guy working so hard and seeing him work so hard off this contract, like getting a contract is it's it's such a, a a breath of fresh air. Like you know, usually guys get the, get paid, get this contract, and they fall off. They start playing worse. And you see Mitchell Robinson. I think it really benefits uh, playing against teams like the Celtics and Nets because you do know that Mitch, like, not that he's childish, but he has like a childlike mentality. So a lot of these like personal matchups against guys like Time Lord, who he's been compared to contract wise and play style wise you know he's getting up for that game and then a, a game against nick claxton someone who's been compared to in terms of who's the best center in in the in the east who's the best defensive center in the east you know mitchell robinson's waking up for those games so i think we've we've greatly benefited from these rivalry matchups in in the last week as well yeah facts and 
you look at it, you know, what was one of Mitch's biggest faults as a player in the past? The number of fouls that he he commits. He'd be fouling out every other game. I mean, just the last two games alone, two fouls in, in Brooklyn in 25 minutes and Boston, arguably the best team in the East, one foul in 31 minutes. I mean, this this team knows how to play and against them, double-double, two blocks, only one foul, five for five. I mean, this this man is playing at a different level. He's He looks like he's maturing before our own very own eyes. And, um, you know, clearly he's he's putting into effect. I mean, you might not always see the block on, on the box score, but you know that players are thinking twice. Altering shots. If, exactly. He's, altering, he's altering, shots. altering a lot of shots. And you just, just watch the game and you'll see it uh, firsthand. I mean, he's that's that's our guy, man. And he's playing I, like it's a contract year. I feel like Mitchell Robinson personally instilled fear into Bill Simmons. Like you hear him coming onto his pod talking <laughs> about, shit, man, I'm scared of the Knicks. Don't want to see that team. And I think that. That Tatum block that that really woke oh. everyone up. That that was a oh. tough one. That was a tough one against the MVP candidate too. And he had that block on Kevin Durant earlier this year, mm. man. And I think I think it really like at the time it was really upsetting to see Mitch go down. Obviously, you never want to see your player goes down, but that's the type of challenge that a team needs to go through. The kind of gauntlet they need to go through on their rise up because now you have a comfort level with Hardenstein knowing that hey we can rely on Harnstein on those backup minutes. Because I don't know if you remember, before Mitch went out, a lot of fans were still really upset about Harnstein's playing style. He's not grabbing enough uh, rebounds. He's not playing his role. And now seeing him play that role well, you feel so much more comfortable, especially with a guy who tends to miss games with Mitchell Robinson. So, yeah. uh, you know, everything happens for a reason. And this team seems like they're battle-tested. They, they're battle-tested so far. That's a great point. I mean, the Knicks did go nine and two. Mitch wasn't there for half those games. It was Hardenstein who was really, you know, stepping in. He was a the team leader in offensive rebounds. I mean, he was making smart plays and he could dish out the ball still. You know, again, everyone understands their role and it looks like it's it's clicking. Shout out to I, I guess, you know. Fred Katz, man, right after he was well. saying how uh the locker room, uh, he's like everyone's just so joyful everyone's having such a good time and then ian begley added on that he hasn't seen the knicks locker room that exciting since or excited since 2012 wow and it's it's just i can't believe it man like i can't believe we're here i mean go figure right you you win games everybody's happy that's why (laughs) that's why the tank mindset doesn't make any sense we're i know i know this middle ground kind of approach isn't always the most fun but when you when you really step back and look at it knicks are in the fifth seed right now, locked in, have a good chance. I think they're only a game and a, One half, and a half away. Oh yeah, game and yeah, a half away. Game from and a half Cavs. away from from the Cavs, and they beat the Cavs recently, so they're capable of continuing the streak. And I don't think I think their their schedule is like the 18th most difficult. I mean, they really and, just and it went keeps through. getting easier. It exactly. keeps getting easier. They just went through the gauntlet, and they February supposed to be a very tough month, but they won most of their games, and they still have. Most of their picks, they still have a, tre- a treasure chest worth of picks, even if they gave one protected pick away for Josh Hart, who clearly is an extremely important player, having gone seven and zero with the Knicks so far, and really putting in that, setting the tone in the locker room, like, "Yo, we're we're that team. We can be that team." Dude, Everybody get locked uh, in. I, I know, I know. This is like the fourth time I mentioned Fred Katz, but he's doing some wonderful reporting. I would highly recommend people follow his his reporting. But 
mid of uh, the Celtics game, he gets a text from another NBA. I want to say either coach or someone in the front office getting like, oh shit, this Knicks team is real. Like they're a legit yeah. team. And it, it's, it's awesome hearing other teams like forget. I, I, I'm not really a big fan of like media presence. Like, yeah, sure. We're getting the media recognition and stuff. I think that's more like a jinx type of thing, but like hearing other front offices recognize that the Knicks are a, a threat to be reckoned with. That that you know that gets you up in the morning. That gets you super hype. So yeah. shout out Fred Katz for some like fantastic reporting and in general work on on the Knicks beat for the Athletic. Yes, sir. What we got next? We got uh, we talking about Josh Hart more. Um, honestly, I mean, since you are talking about Josh Hart, I think it wouldn't be a horrible idea to talk about like who do you think is the the third best player mm. on the Knicks? Like, who's the third most important player? Because I think like. It's easily going to be Brunson and uh, Randall first. The way they've been playing, they've been the most important people for us. But who, who do you got third? I mean, different games, we're seeing different players stepping up. I mean, I love I, it. Love the it. argument could be made for Mitch. An argument could be made for IQ. An argument can be made for RJ Barrett. And Loki, you could throw Josh Hart in there. I know it's been really early, but oh, he's been... I, nice. I, maybe, maybe it's too early. A little too uh, early. May, but. He might be in the running for fourth. Um. Oh man, it's all right. I, I gotta, I gotta do process elimination to get you know pro, to think through this. I don't think RJ Barrett is the third most important player. I love him. I want him to take over, but I can't call him the third most important player. He, I think he still needs to step up a little bit more. I think he needs to. We need to see more of that dog in him. That's that's what I'm saying. And I think we're seeing a lot more with IQ. We're seeing with Mitch. For me, I guess the third most important player has got to be Mitch because I think I emphasize defense. Defense sets the tone. He will get you those second chance points. He will he will clean up all your mistakes and he'll he'll be you know not missing any baskets. And he's a defensive anchor, and that's that's what's important. I mean IQ. Killing it. He he Josh Hart and RJ are in the running for fourth. Um, but Mitch, Mitch is my third most important player. My favorite, favorite thing about this conversation is like the abundance of options. Like, yeah. you know, Mitch and Mitch and IQ, like I'm like, oh, who's Mo gonna pick? Like, either way, whoever he picks, I want to pick the opposite one so we can touch on them. But I love that you picked Mitch. I wanted to pick IQ. I do pick IQ, but what's it tell you about the team when you still have guys like RJ Barrett, Josh Hart? Quentin Grimes, who's a starter, playing well for the Knicks uh, as not even part of the conversation. Like, we have these other pieces, integral pieces of our team who who aren't even part of the conversation yet. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just so nice to see the Knicks in this position. But I got to go with Emmanuel quickly, six-man-of-the-year candidate. He's been rising up uh, the, the betting odds and whatnot. I don't th really think he's going to win, but I think he could be in that top three alongside Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I think he's done a fantastic job so far. Seeing him go from someone whose name was mentioned in trade rumors, I know we were all really upset about that, but hearing his name mentioned there, staying very professional while his shot still wasn't there, and finding a way to contribute to the team, whether it be through rebounding, defense, steals, like however he could contribute. And then now that his shot has come along, Seem he seems so much more confident, you know. I, I gotta give it to quickly. I feel like he's he, him on the bench. It's exactly what we've been begging for for the last two years. Someone who could run that bench unit, and you could see the influence of D Rose. How that's translated into Emmanuel quickly being this bench dominant player. It's it's, it's awesome. Yeah, hard to argue against that. I mean, again, his minutes his minute distribution has definitely gone up. I think he's averaging closer to thirty versus mm -hmm. twenty, and mm -hmm. 
excuse me, and the again, three point shots are dropping. He's just that bouncy, quick player that that has an a limitless tank of energy, and it's just it's it's infectious amongst the team. And you see, whenever the bench comes in, like they're ready to run. And you know, Obi Toppin, we haven't even mentioned him oh, on this episode. There you go. There you like, go. Like... The, the team is limitless with potential, and we're not even seeing the best of these players. But we know, as fans, as guys who watch them since the day they were drafted, and even prior to that, that they have capabilities and potential of just destroying teams. And you know, I mean, Obi Toppin is not being placed in a position where he can score points. That's that's really on the coach to set him up. But we know what he's capable of. I mean, he ended last season scoring 40 points in a game, and we know he's able to do that. I think with the way Josh Hart and with the way Iker are playing, they will or they might or they might not even have to get him more involved in the offense. But as long as as long as he's in the rotation, I mean, he's still getting close to 10 to 12 minutes per game. We do want to see that go up. But again, as long as the Knicks are winning, that's that's what, you know. Well, I mean, also shout out to Obi Toppin because he's been so much more comfortable in the role that's been designated to him. You're seeing those minutes that he comes in for Randall. He's extending them because he's playing so well. Randall gets to take a little bit more break on the bench, gets to, you know, catch his breath. Like you mentioned earlier, Randall's minutes have been decreasing a little bit, and that's due to Obi Toppin playing so well. And I think that comes from that transition play that Josh Hart adds. You know, the Knicks were really bad in transition outside of Emmanuel quickly who pushes the ball and um, Obi Toppin, but seeing Josh Hart get close to 30 minutes, 25 minutes a game. It really picks up the pace of the game, and you're seeing Obi Toppin benefit from that, and he's he's knocking down shots, which, you know, as long as he's knocking down the shots, we're going to be comfortable with him being on the floor, and you know, as much as I'm upset about Obi not seeing that many minutes, it's like you said earlier, winning solves everything. So now that they're winning, I can justify Randall playing as many minutes as he is. Like, mm. yeah, you're definitely right. It would be nice if the eighth pick that the that, that this front office made, you know, if he could get more minutes and show his value so we could continue to continue to accumulate assets. But how can you complain? Seven in a row, looking down the barrel, eight in a row against another rival, Miami, like it, it's lit. It's yeah. lit in New York. The vibes are immaculate. Yeah, right. And with Obi in that Boston game, there are a couple of plays that he took those three pointers that were critical. I mean, Boston is no joke. There are multiple times, even though the Knicks had double digit leads on them for most of the game, there are those those moments where they brought it down to like 14 or 12, and you think that you know tides might turn and it's gonna be another Knicks fuck up. Obi Toppin came in with a three. RJ Barrett came in with some critical plays. At at the at the Boston game, I want to say, well in Boston, right? yeah, the towards the end of the first half, I think he had like five back to back plays where he either scored a bu- bucket, got a great defensive play, or got the assist. I mean, the fact that we're capable now of not letting go of these leads again, knock on wood, because we've seen the other happen way too frequently. <laughs> I I think this this winning mentality that Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson is bringing to the team as guys who have won is is infectious and you know the rest of these guys are not you know letting letting these moments slip away from them where they're stepping in and stepping up and uh i'm not too worried about obi Toppin. i'm not too worried about rj barrett i think i think they will eventually turn around or come around i mean more so rj Barrett than obi because obi he's just not getting the opportunity but rj needs to step up um again he has good plays but the consistency isn't quite there yet. I think we're seeing the consistency with the other players, with Randall, with Brunson, uh, minus the free throws, and 
with IQ. I think once RJ gets that consistency there, game in, game out, where he's able to put in 20 points per game efficiently, where he's able to drive into the basket, where he's able to even post up guys and then drive in, kind of like Jimmy, Jimmy Butler does, and get those three-pointers, I mean, it'll, it'll go up. He's 22 years old. I'm not too worried about RJ. Yeah, I mean, especially with a guy like Josh Hart coming in, you feel much more comfortable about RJ and his – I wouldn't say step like his side steps. Like he's not really taking steps back. I would say they're more like side steps. He's not really taking that step forward. So Josh Hart just makes it so that now you don't have to close the game with RJ and like, you know, be stuck with those turnovers and whatnot. And you feel much more comfortable with Josh Hart playing that role player type of role. Cause that's what he is at the end of the day. He's a star role player. RJ, you still want to be a star who knows his role, but it's, that's not working out that way. But you know, as you said, he's still young. There's still time. I think adding a guy like Josh Hart helps RJ learn how to, you know, get over the screen. Helps him learn how to uh, be like just get gain that knowledge on where to stand to grab an offensive rebound or even a defensive rebound that we've seen RJ have some trouble with so far. But in general, it, it you, you got to just take the good with the bad. You know, RJ had a few of those games where, like in Boston, where he he's looking like a superstar, and even the beginning of this last game's first quarter. When he was knocking down the three, we were very like the Knicks made 14 threes in the first quarter. Like if we get something performance like that, I feel like it was the first time I seen the Knicks on the other end of the three point. You know, like you know how the three point variants can go either way, and the Knicks are always gambling, it goes mm-hmm. the other way. Mm-hmm. We're on the other side of that where we're making 14 threes, and I was like, Holy shit, like this is what it feels like to be one of those teams. Like, <laughs> oh my god, like you know, we locked up Boston, right? They they scored like 21%. They're the best three point shooting team in the NBA, I think, at the time. And the Knicks locked them up. I mean, hey, I mean, if you if you pay attention, I think we played three games against Boston. The first game is where they went lights out against us from three, where Sam Hauser was cooking us all this. And then the other two games where the Knicks were able to control the three point three pointers. Man, we're, we're, we're cooking with gasoline, you know? Yeah. like The the Jalen Brown choke job and Tatum. Yo, the fuck, I almost ate choke too. I mean, he got himself <laughs> kicked out. Quinn Grimes locked him up that game. And so did Josh Hart. They, I, I was listening to Boston. Uh, the, the stream that I was watching was Boston stream. And they could not Same. say enough about the, the props that they are giving to the Knicks. And that was music to my ears. Like, yo, Boston announcers giving the Knicks props. Like, yo, this team is real. Like, yo, this team is different from, from the first time we met them. And, like... It's it's great. I mean, Quentin Grimes, his shot. I don't know if you picked up on it, but like his his catch and shoot is lightning quick. Lightning, especially lightning. last night, six threes. Rand Randall with those tough passes, those those crisp passes. Grimes catch and shoot right away, and I feel like I feel like that's that's a little different too because I feel like his shots take a little longer, but his his shot now lightning quick. God damn. And on top of that, it's forget getting the shot off. If he decides that he's gonna take you off the line and just take it straight to the oh, paint, mm-hmm. he's so quick. Like his that first like, step. I, I, yeah, I can't. I can't think of anything besides like. And I know this is gonna be super gas, but it's like you know, uh, Hermes when like he has the fucking wings on his foot and he just like mm-hmm. jumps off. That's what it feels like to me. He looks like the Flash out there. Like I don't know. Compare maybe it's because the other players on our team aren't as fast, but like. He just gets off so quick, man. Oh. I don't know what I was expecting. Hermes was not what I was expecting. <laughs> I was going to say the flash, but it feels too basic. You know, everyone got the flash. Uh, you're talking about sustainability. I want to ask one question before we wrap up. Um, there's a lot of comparisons between this team and the t- the year that we got the fourth seed. How do you how do you feel like those, those two teams compare? I mean, obviously, this team is much better, but, like, what do you see that's so different? 
Randall doesn't have to rely on himself. I think we're going to see in the playoffs just how different this team is versus that 2020 team because Randall felt the need that he had to put on put all on his shoulder and just dished out the ball to Reggie Bullock and hope that he makes his threes. <laughs> he doesn't have to do that anymore because now he has Jalen Brunson who has proven that he can destroy in the playoffs single-handedly with, with or without Luka Doncic. He's going to kill it. And he did it against Donovan Mitchell. If we see Donovan Mitchell again, Donovan, that boy knows what's up because we got Jalen Brunson. <laughs> Josh Hart knows how to win. And I think RJ Barrett, even, even if he's not stepping up as much as we'd like in the regular season, I think the playoffs are prime time for him because those teams are going to know what, what Randall's bringing to the table. They're going to know what Brunson's bringing to the table. They're going to double each of them when they can. And it's up to them to dish out the ball. But RJ Barrett most likely is going to be open and he needs to capitalize on those moments. And I think... We're ever going to see the RJ Barrett that we're going to want to see. We're going to have to see him in the playoffs. And I think right. that's his time to shine. I think, I hope he knows that. And I'm sure he does, but I think, I think the playoffs is going to be way different this time around versus two years ago. Yeah. I mean, if you look at plug and play exactly like you're switching out Brunson, Alfred Payne for Brunson. So mm. immediately you get mm. significantly better there. <laughs> and then all the things that we complained about with Reggie Bullock, where if the shot's not falling, all he is is a defensive body. Quentin Grimes, like we were just waxing poetic about that. We don't have to worry about that. He can shoot quickly. And if he's not shooting, he can take you off the bounce and just mm-hmm. shake it straight to the rim. So um, and he can it, dish. He can dish yeah. well. And on top of that, let's not forget, we might have a healthy Mitchell Robinson, which yep. we were lacking in that Hawk series, which I don't know. The more I see Mitchell Robinson play, the more I feel like that series could have won a different way if Mitchell Robinson was 100%. there. M- maybe not like a complete Knicks win, but it wouldn't have been a gentleman sweep, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, all facts. I mean, looks like we might get Cleveland first round. I, at the way the standings are today, obviously, in right. 20 games, all that could change, but that won't be the easiest matchup with, with those two Twin Towers they got there. But we'll see. I think I think the league is starting to understand that the Knicks are for real. I think we're starting to feel encouragement that the Knicks are for real. Obviously, you know, cautious optimism, but it's been 40 straight games where the Knicks have been killing it, and that's basically half the season, and I'm feeling good about the team. I think the Knicks could win their eighth in a row uh, tomorrow against Miami. And uh, if they win their eighth in a row, make sure you have those post notifications on on IG because we will do a giveaway and uh, be that be that eighth person to comment. I know and then some people got to like watch the comments and try to capitalize when they can. But um, keep keep an eye out for that. <laughs> My hey, brother literally walked in. He's like, how do I become the seventh comment? Tell me right now. What do I do? And I was like, oh. <laughs> yo, get a, get a crew together. Get a crew together and, and decide amongst you, you guys who's going to win it and then just do one after <laughs> shit, another. Shit, shit turn to the power range. Like, one, two, three. Like, everyone's like counting down and shit. <laughs> Any last thoughts before we wrap this episode up? Let's go take over South Beach, man. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to, 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 to cause some fucking havoc in South Beach. Mm-hmm. Fuck Tyler Hero. <laughs> All right, we appreciate you guys checking out this episode of Nickish. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NickishNYC and subscribe to the podcast and give us five stars on all podcasting platforms. And check out our website, nick-ish.com. Uh, again, check out the IG when the Knicks win their eighth in a row. Knock on wood again. And um, keep an eye out. We have a new product dropping. Teaser's going to go out this week on IG. Um, and we think it's going to be a dope one. So until then, next until next time, take care. Peace. Peace.